What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one rank friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. And if you remember Charlie the Tuna from those old Starkist ads, you know, the debonair fish with good taste who fancied himself the perfect tuna for Starkist? In every ad, Charlie the Tuna got shot down. Sorry, Charlie, because Starkist didn't want tuna with good taste. They wanted tuna that tastes good. I dredged up the 60s gem because today the market rejected Charlie. The tuna with the taste for turbocharged growth stocks and instead went with tuna that just plain tastes good, meaning solid, clean companies with no real flaws that have newfound consistency. Now, look, if you only looked at the averages, this would have seemed like a sedate day. Dow dipping 23 points, S&P inching down 0.20%, NASDAQ declining 0.30%. Oh, but when you dig deeper, there was a major rotation out of the Charlie the Tuna stocks and into plain old albacore packed in water. It all started yesterday when the banks reported much better than expected quarter, especially given that the inverted yield curves crimping their ability to make money off your deposits. Turns out the banks have so many other robust earnings streams that we don't need to fret about the yield curve as much as we once thought. J.P. Morgan delivered an unbelievably powerful number with impressive growth practically across the board, including astounding 8% revenue growth. The stock immediately roared from 116 to 121. This is a bank stock for every second, foreclosing at just under 120. As CEO Jamie Dimon pointed out, I quote, the consumer continues to be quite strong, end quote. Hey, gloomers and doomers, listen to Jamie. Citigroup posted a similar excellent quarter, and this market lapped it up, although it gave back some of the gain today. Even Goldman Sachs, which actually missed its projections, was able to tell a good story. And its stock rallied yesterday and today. Goldman put its buyback on hold while they sort out this Malaysian bond scandal, but they're now resuming the repurchase program. Hey, isn't that conviction? Then today, Bank of America printed a huge number of fantastic growth. Their digital business is so good that I almost think of this as a technology company that happens to be in banking. Bank of America has 38 million active digital users, 29 million mobile banking users. Last year, they launched a virtual voices in Erica, and it already has 9 million active users. These are extraordinary numbers, people. They're not just attracting millennials. They're luring in older users, too, or the numbers couldn't be that big. There aren't that many millennials, for heaven's sake. Bank of America tells us the consumer's in good shape. Their consumer banking division saw 7% loan growth, which is part of why I think the earnings have real staying power. Hey, by the way, and the loan losses are very low. How satisfying are these figures? Warren Buffett 
Warren Buffett currently owns 10% of Bank of America, and he's asking the government for permission to buy even more. I'm betting the Oracle of Omaha wish list will be granted and soon will be in there buying the stock hand over fist. The market embraced these quarterly reports because the banks showed consistent earnings growth when very few people expected them to. They're supposed to be more hostage to the Fed. With their consumer emphasis, the big banks can decouple from the trade wars. Now, I know the Commerce Department just released some ugly retail sales numbers this very morning, down 0.3% in September. But these banks tell a different story. They've become the ideal names for the Starkist-style market. Yep, they're not flashy. They're just tasty. What else? The love extended to the healthcare companies that reported beautiful numbers, Polker 2, with stocks that had gotten to deep value levels versus their growth rates. Johnson & Johnson rallied nicely. Investors gushed over its growth, relaxed when management reassured us about all the myriad lawsuits. Hey, look, they're going up against opioid and talc plaintiff's lawyers. I felt better after the call. United Health exploded higher when it shot the lights out yesterday, even if it only pulled back today. UNH has a habit of delivering terrific results, but lately that hasn't mattered. Because it's a managed care situation in a world where the Democratic frontrunner Elizabeth Warren wants to replace these companies with Medicare for all, a.k.a. single payer. This time, though, fears weren't enough to keep UNH down. Hey, more on that one later. Big Dow stock. Then there are the beaten down transports. It doesn't take much to catapult a stock that's selling for seven times earnings. So it made perfect sense when the market fell in love with United Continental after the airline boosted its forecast. There wasn't much pin action to the rest of the transports, but they did rally somewhat. And then after the close, CSX reported an excellent number, and its stock was advancing in after-hours trading. Now, let's contrast these winners with the high-growth stocks that the market's rejecting. Sorry, Charlie! Sell, sell, sell! First, Kramer Fave Workday held an analyst meeting yesterday where they failed to impress. The company's core human capital management division showed slowing growth, something that's unforgivable when your stock sells for over 100 times earnings. I was shocked at the, not at the slowing, but, I mean, at the slowing, but not the reaction. I mean, if they slow at all, the reaction is going to be incredibly negative. This market has no patience for enterprise software companies that can't grow an aggressive pace. And I've got to tell you, enterprise software didn't do too well for IBM this very evening either. ServiceNow and Adobe both got downgraded today. That surprised me because these two stocks are sainted. I saw nothing in particular that was disconcerting at ServiceNow, other than its expensive valuation. Adobe? Downgrade zeroed in on some slowing in its commerce cloud offerings, which handicapped the company the last time it reported. The negative pin action did extend to Salesforce, even though Salesforce did shoot the lights out when it last reported. We're going to hear from founder, chairman, and co-CEO Mark Benioff later in the show. For now, just, uh, just know this sell-off is total guilt by association, although there is admittedly some overlap between the substance of the Adobe downgrade and Salesforce. Can the rotation last? I don't think it's permanent. They never are. There's just too much love for growth, too much belief in the future of these companies that are currently being taken to the woodshed. Considered this very evening, deep value, high yielding IBM that I just mentioned and high value, uh, value Netflix reported IBM laid an egg. Its stock is being savaged after the bell. While Netflix trumped estimates, it's roaring into tomorrow's session. Still, the high flyers that got hammered today will need to report some terrific quarters before the market's going to forgive them. The good news, there are plenty of senior growth stocks that can still move higher. When Merck reports on October 29th, I bet it'll be terrific thanks to Keytruda. I think CVS, that's Victor kind, CVS, which owns Aetna, will print a fabulous number at the beginning of November. Not unlike when United Health reported and the stock is darn cheap here with a 3% yield. I know many of you watched last night's Democratic presidential debate. 
uh, with elation if you favor more redistribution of wealth or with horror if you favor the status quo. The rhetoric was intense, particularly against the drug companies and the banks. Yet both groups put up some splendid performance today. That doesn't mean they're now immune to politics, though. But the bottom line is that today's winners are immune to the fallout from the trade war. They can create terrific earnings from the consumer or from healthcare businesses that have nothing to do with China. For this session, that was enough to do the job. Ian in Pennsylvania. Ian! Mr. Kramer, a big old belated pumpkin spice booyah to you, sir. Never too late for that one. Never too late. What's up? (laughs) Called about American Eagle Outfitters. Ayo. Get it? Ayo. Yeah, yeah. Good good call there. Sorry about that. Now, I I know you don't love the mall space, but these guys have a great online operation. Just came second place. Piper Jaffray Teen Survey, both for apparel and places to shop online. Only beaten by Amazon. But the stock's been absolutely beaten down this year. Currently trading at nearly yearly lows, but it's a solid dividend stock with price to earnings under 10 and with tailwinds from back to school this quarter and holiday shopping coming up. Do you think this is a good sleeper pick right now? Well, well, look, Ian, it it could be a trade, but I got to stick by my knitting. You know what it is. It's watch time. Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, Home Depot. And if I ain't watching, I ain't buying. Let's go to Ali in Hawaii. Ali. Aloha. Aloha. Mahalo. Uh-huh. Jim, I had a question for you. Occidental sure. Petroleum. Two behemoths fighting each other. Icon and Warren Buffett trying to achieve the same goal by shareholder value. Paying 8% dividend. Do you, in your opinion, is it, is it a good buy? No. And keep accumulating no. for a couple of years? No. The company is paying 8% to Warren Buffett. He has, uh, he has, certainly has, uh, let's call it, call it first dibs versus the dividend. I don't like the oil stocks. I don't like fossil fuels. I don't like Occidental. All right, there's major rotation underneath today's action. The winners are immune to the fall from the trade war. And that's all it took to do the job. Man, money tonight. Mark Benioff says capitalism is dead and needs a reboot. So what's his plan? I'm talking with the visionary Salesforce founder. Then United Healthcare sparked a rally for the market yesterday when it reported. But what can its quarter mean for the managed care sector? I'm investigating. And it's an under-the-radar fintech player that could be worth considering. I'll reveal the name. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. SIPC. 
Mark Benioff is the founder, chairman, and co-CEO of Salesforce, the guy who practically invented the cloud and made his shareholders fortunes in the process. In addition to being a big-time philanthropist, Benioff's a believer in business as an agent of social change. Just yesterday, he published a new book, sold out already, called Trailblazer, The Power of Business as the Greatest Platform for Change. And earlier, we got to talk to him about it. Take a look. Mark? You are comfortable talking capitalism, and we're going to talk about that, but I want to talk about Joel for a moment. I want to talk about your father for a moment. That's his terrific mom. I want to talk about your grandfather. These were your inspirations. Aren't they why we are here today? You know, I I think for all of us, our families are, of course, you know, our core values. And for me, I was fortunate to have a family that was incredibly committed to civil service and improving the state of the world. And my grandfather certainly was a huge part of that. I wrote about him in the book. In fact, our San Francisco Chronicle just published a number of photos of me with my grandfather I didn't even know existed. And he was a huge influence on my life, always reminding me to do something for somebody else. Right, and did develop BART, which is the greatest, still the greatest transport system. He developed BART, right. Barry Rapid Transit. And that was his idea, which was to have a monorail system, you know, right. like Disneyland, in San Francisco on all nine counties, wrapping it, and this amazing, like, spaceship-like monorail station next to City Hall where he had his office because he was a supervisor in San Francisco for over a decade in addition to being a great trial attorney. So uh, he, he had a huge vision for our, our local community. Next in your life, Steve Jobs and then Larry Ellison, two polar opposites, I would say, both very influential in your life. Both, by the way, they were very close friends. And Steve Jobs had a huge impact on my life, uh, unexpected impact, because I would have dinner with him, and he would say, hey, come and see me, I, we need to talk. And I was, you know, I was in my 30s, I'm starting my company, I was super cautious because I was afraid of him, I had worked for him, you know how it is, we were sure. first boss, I held him in such high regard and such high esteem, I still do. And he gave me invaluable advice. He told me, be mindful, project the future, right. think about an application economy, paid off incredibly well for me. At the same time, you started a company after these, the journey there in 1999. Most people were out to make quick money. They wanted to sell their company, bring it or bring it public and cash in. You were immediately about using it as an important uh, platform for change, but also, also one, 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 determined to be able to give back when everyone else was taking it. Well, I can give gratitude to Larry Ellison for that because after working at Oracle for 10 years, I was pretty burnt out. I was not feeling great, and I ended up taking a sabbatical. I wrote about that in the book that we just published, Trailblazer, Business is the Greatest Platform for Change. And Larry said, Mark, take a sabbatical. I went to India. That's where I got some great advice, which was to think about other people while you're building the culture of your business. And I decided to do that when we started Salesforce now. 21 years ago. Well, there are a lot of uh, points to the book of which I felt the trip to India, the time off. All these things are great lessons for everyone who's trying to lead a better life, not just about trying to figure out capitalism. But you said that capitalism, as we know it, is dead. Who killed it? Capitalism is dead. We need a new capitalism. We need a new sustainable, fair, more equitable capitalism. We need a capitalism that values not just shareholders, and of course, Mm -hmm. I love shareholders, but as important, stakeholders. A capitalism value of stakeholders. Who are your stakeholders? Your customers, your employees, your partners. In San Francisco, it's our homeless. You know that. You were right. there with me walking the streets. Right. It is our public schools. 
It is our planet. We have many stakeholders, not just shareholders. Your shareholders, I believe, let you down on a very important non-acquisition. Before we get to it, what does the phrase big man down mean? What it means is my shareholders are a key stakeholder. They're a critical part of how we run the business, and I listen to them. And even though I can be a visionary and see where things are going or see incredible potential, I'm also guided by my shareholders. It's one of the reasons why we have consistently improved our gross margin. But you're avoiding the issue. Because they've asked for that. You're avoiding the issue. It, was there not some sort of karma, some sort of superstition, when you fell down on the way to figuring out and solving the idea of buying Twitter? I was on my way to this incredible meeting, two meetings actually, to get the money to buy Twitter. And um, it was with the bond, bond companies. And they ended up giving us great ratings so they didn't know that my leg was gushing blood and uh, I had ripped my Achilles, I had ripped my meniscus and I had, you know, on the way in fallen on the pavement and it probably was an omen, right, that uh, the shareholders were not going to be happy. They, they may have created it or given me some uh, energy in that direction. Stock plummets to 16 after all the, the uh, buyout talk is done. What a market at 28. You would have crushed it. What a great way to figure out what people are doing. Don't you regret it? I mean, come on. Jim, I, I believe so strongly that I have to value all of my stakeholders that if you have a belief that guides you like that, then I believe that my shareholders are always going to give me the right direction, as my customers are, as my employees are. By the way, as our local school kids are, I was just at one of our local public schools in San Francisco opening a new playground, giving a speech, and they brought the kids in. I'm looking in the kids' eyes, and when I was looking in the kids' eyes and I said to them, yes, of course, you're one of my key stakeholders, I have to be thinking about you. We're the largest employer in San Francisco. Are our local public schools not our key stakeholder? No, I agree, and I know that you have influenced me to do that. Thank you. I thank you, because... You it, did. You adopted a local yes, public school. Yes, I did, your, your uh, mantra, I which thank I you think for doing others. that. Absolutely. Now, Every CEO can adopt a local public school. Actually, everyone can. All right. At Business Roundtable, the majority agree with you, but there's also such a thing as greenwashing, which means that they are taking the view that they should care, but then they don't do it indeed, just word. Where is the business roundtable in your mind? And how about all these executives who claim to be taking in other, other stakeholders, but really are just same old, same old? The business roundtable, which is the CEOs of the largest companies in the world, have said exactly this. The purpose of a corporation is all stakeholders as important as all shareholders, that trying to choose between the two is a false choice. That is what we think. When you talk to Alex Gorski, the CEO of Johnson & Johnson, who's the chairman of the Business Roundtable, this is his mantra. It comes out of the credo of Johnson & Johnson, but not just them. Also, J.P. Morgan Chase, IBM. All of the, of the top companies in the world, they're all pivoting to the new capitalism about stakeholders. Last night, Democratic debate. The Democrats, they seem convinced that the evil might be Amazon. Evil might be Facebook. The most powerful company, the trillion-dollar company, is Microsoft, and they already had a consent degree with the Justice Department. They're skating. Aren't they too powerful, particularly in the way that Satya Nadella stole LinkedIn from you when I thought you had to deal with that? Well, Microsoft is the largest company in the tech industry. They're the largest platform um, but not in for office social productivity. Change. Not for and, social change. Well, not for social change, but 
that's why they do have a consent decree. So that's their that's their history with the Justice Department, and so that that that's where they are. But still, we have to have a great tech industry with many platforms. That's why I think Amazon Web Services is important, Google Cloud is important, Microsoft is important, Salesforce is important. This can provide a set of choices for customers. You uh, scared me a few years ago when you told me to buy the book Ghost Fleet. It's really a, a frightening book. It's a vision of the Chinese influencing our defense and making it so that we would lose in a war. I have to believe that you think that it could be more than science fiction. Are you worried about the Chinese as an opponent to our country? Well, that's actually not my interpretation of the book. We've never talked about it. So, you know, my interpretation of the book is, and why I recommend Ghost Fleet for everybody to read, is artificial intelligence is one of the okay. huge parts of the fourth industrial revolution, right. which is what we are going through right now. AI has tremendous opportunity, but technology is never good or bad. It's what we do with the technology okay, that matters. And there will be dramatic consequences when artificial intelligence is applied to the military, but we can use AI for good as well. I just showed you how, you know, we have a drone running in Santa Barbara with AI, which spotted a great white shark heading for a surf camp, and they called the beach, able to get the kids off the beach. That's AI for good. There's a lot of AI for good. There's going to be AI for other things, too. We need to keep our eye on both. I want to challenge you on the notion that business can be good. You are right. Business can be a for force, a platform for social change. But, Mark, how about if social change you don't believe it? I mean, you, we all seem to believe, when I read the book, social change for good. But social change is a two-way street. You, you could use it for bad. Well, you're right. You can see social media today can be used for bad, and it probably is. Facebook probably is the new cigarettes. It's bad for can you. Can we take that back? It's, it's addictive. Can we take that back? They're after your kids, Jim. They're letting people run kids, false ads. People can change stripes. They're providing data to th tens of thousands of partners without the knowledge of their users. This is a company that probably should be regulated and broken up. It's got too much data, commingling data of all of its acquisitions to have greater influence on you as a consumer. That, that's an example where Jim, capitalism... You cut it off. You don't have to deal with them. Capitalism needs guardrails. That's the point of the book. That's a very important part of the future of technology as well. But if you open that door, then you have show trials of, of executives. Last night, they talked about a show trial of Alex Gorsky. Alex Gorsky, you and I both know, has saved more lives, is deeply committed to stopping suicide among veterans, and he gets mentioned last night as someone who you should be prosecuted. You could go wild with this stuff about business. Jim, this is why we have antitrust authorities worldwide and embedded in every major government agency to keep an eye on these things. Government has to do what it's going to do. This is also what the SEC should do. The SEC, SEC can modify its regulations. I wrote about this in my op-ed on the right. New York Times That's on Monday. Great. And say, hey, tell us who your stakeholders are. Tell us how you're managing your business. Not just your shareholder return. Tell us what your stakeholder return. Salesforce already publishes its stakeholder return. All companies can do that easily now. You are the co-CEO. Does a co-CEO have time to, in your day, and I know your schedule, apologies to Lynn up front, does a co-CEO have time to run for president? My whole, dodges. my whole book is about how business is the greatest platform for change because I believe that the work that I do as a CEO and as running Salesforce and that Salesforce can have the power. I could never be a politician. I will never run for office. But I do know how to be a tech CEO. 
I do know how to build a business on all stakeholders. And what I want to do, Jim, is influence everyone from the intern to the CEO to the great, you know, industry reporter, that they can all be platforms for change and that we can all improve the state of the world. All right. Well, I want to tell everyone they should. I mean, I've got pages. But my old friend Monica Langley helped you uh, write this. This is a fantastic job. This is a read that is as tough as I ever read on some executive. It's tough on yourself, and I love it. And that's how you really learn. Yes, business is the greatest platform for social change. Mark Benioff is founder, chairman, and co-CEO of Salesforce and the author of a must-read of which I'm ripping pages out, Trailblazer. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much. Great to be with you, Jim. Have we finally learned to stop worrying and love the managed care space? For months, the managed care stocks, think health insurance, have been hammered because Wall Street's terrified that Elizabeth Warren will win the Democratic nomination. Senator Warren wants to establish Medicare for all. It's a single-payer health care system that would potentially drive the entire managed care industry into oblivion. It's not just the more left-wing firebrands like uh, Warren or Bernie Sanders. Most of the Democratic field wants to at least crack down on the private insurance industry, the managed care companies. Joe Biden is the only serious contender who's willing to go to bat for our current system. He's running on a mend-it-don't-end-it platform that's probably pretty good for the managed care place. But over the past few months, Joe Biden lost his status as the presumptive frontrunner. As Warren's polling went up, the managed care stocks plummeted. Believe me, I get it. We should absolutely pay less for these stocks in a world where the single payer is on the table, even if I think it's a lot less likely than the healthcare bears would have you believe. That's why United Health Group, the best of the breed, saw its stock fall from $268 in July to $212 just a few weeks ago. Cigna sank from 180s to the 140s over the same period. Anthem tumbled from 310 to the 230s. Investors sold first, and they asked questions later. Yep, the whole group has been in the doghouse, at least until yesterday. See, yesterday, as I mentioned at the top of the show, United Health reported a true blowout quarter. They gave you a reason to stop fretting about November 2020 and start focusing on all the money they can make right now. That's why the stock pulled at 8% yesterday. And you know what? It ain't done. I think it's got more upside. It had a little downturn today. At one point, it was down like here. It came back. That's because it's got more upside. Why? Okay, going into the quarter, there was a widespread sense that UNH had a lot to contend with. For example, last just last Thursday, Jeffries downgraded the stock based on worries about the broader managed care sector. I found the piece frightening. There's an Obamacare-related uh, tax that will go back into effect next year. There's the political worries. And they were also fretting that the company's medical loss ratio might be going in the wrong direction. What is that? That's the percent of their premiums that pay out to cover the cost of insurance claims. Now, not everyone was negative here. I told you to buy UNH in late September when it pulled back to 215. That's exactly what we did for my charitable trust. Of course, you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. I thought the political risks were overblown, and the stock had finally gotten absurdly cheap. Too cheap to ignore. Sure enough, when UNH reported yesterday morning, they knocked it out of the park. This was a stunning quarter that proved the naysayers wrong. The company delivered a nice top and bottom line beat. Then management raised their full year forecast for 2019, gave much better than feared guidance for 2020 before wrapping up his prepared remarks on the conference call. CEO David Wickman laid it all out. 
He told us that UNH's earnings growth would likely come in at the low end of their 13 to 16 percent long term forecast. Hey, maybe that sounds negative, but you have to consider what, what Wall Street was looking for. The analysts, on average, expected UNH to generate 11 percent earnings growth in 2020. So compared to that, that management's 13 percent forecast. Well, let's just say that's downright exuberant. And that is another reason why we had this nice upward move that was totally justified, even better. They addressed the sort of new tax everyone was fretting about, telling us the cost would be manageable. I felt great after I read the conference call. What about the other worries? Well, uh, during the uh, question and answer session, Jeff Putnam, he's the CFO of United Healthcare, their managed care business. He told a compelling story about costs. He said, and I quote, we continue to see costs very well controlled, end quote. In other words, they're not being torn apart by runaway healthcare inflation, as many thought would be the case. And that's how UNH's medical loss ratio held steady, rather than deteriorating as the bears predicted. In short, United Health gave the bulls some much-needed ammunition. Hey, if you're focused on the next 12 months, this is a terrific business. But we know the biggest, baddest negative here has nothing to do with the fundamentals right now. It's all about the future. What drove the stock down this way until it bottomed? And what's that? Like I told you before, the real knock on this managed care industry is that the stocks will be eviscerated if Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren, wins the Democratic primary. And the companies could be annihilated if she wins the general UNH. Uh, general election. UNH simply isn't compatible with her Medicare for all legislation that she'd like to get through. So why doesn't the prospect of single payer keep me away from this group? Warren got the front runner treatment at last night's debate. The other candidates came in after her and for she had by far the most amount of time. I thought it was like the, she was debating herself in the end. Doesn't that mean we need to take these fears seriously? Sure. I just think that they're already baked into the stock. I almost wanted a cake on set to give you the, uh, the full impression here. Uh, maybe they're more than baked in. Why do I say that? I right, consider the possibilities here. Let's say Warren wins. Can she pass Medicare for all? Speaker Nancy Pelosi has told me several times she's against it. Senator Minor- Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer has said over and over again he's against it. Many of the other candidates on the debate stage last night were against it. They think the cost is prohibitive, and they're worried about the optics of taking away private insurance to replace it with a government plan. Warren, or Senator Sanders for that matter, would need to win a landslide victory. The landslide. The Democrats retaking the Senate. Okay, this is all the things that have to happen uh, by a pretty wide margin before Medicare for all becomes a realistic scenario. Could it happen? I mean, anything's possible, right? But is it likely? Let me put it this way. When President Obama had a 60 seat supermajority in the Senate, he couldn't even pass a public option where the government would have offered competing plans on the ACA exchanges. Even if the Democrats win every competitive Senate race, every one next year, they'll only have 54. You can't pass this kind of sweeping legislation with such a slim majority, especially when your own party is divided on the issue. The Speaker of the House doesn't want it to happen. But look at it this way. What happens if Warren doesn't win? What if Biden takes the nomination? Then these single-payer worries go away, and UNH should be able to trade at, get this, I'd say maybe as much as... 20 times earnings, which would send the stock back to $330, up more than 90 points from here. What if Trump gets reelected? Same thing. Even if Warren wins, it's an ordinary victory, not a landslide. You can take the existential crisis scenario off the table from the managed care stocks. Bottom line, the whole health insurance space came down too far, too fast. So when United Health delivered a fantastic quarter, great guidance, its stock roared back. I think it is still way too cheap versus historical level to ignore. And the political risk has already been baked into the share price, which means the UNH, UNH, even after yesterday's magnificent romp, is still 
a buy. Bye, bye, bye. Stacy in Florida. Stacy. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing well, Stacy. How about you? Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I am a registered nurse. Okay. And I'll tell you, you performed a mitzvah and don't even know better. You helped me to get to the point where I can retire before retirement time. And it all has to do with the things that you say. But there was one stock that really powered through quite a bit. And it's called Aflac. Sure. And I don't know if you remember, but you were kind of clowning around and had your face almost to the camera lens. And you said something like, buy it, or, or if you don't buy it, you're going to be sorry. Well, let me tell you what that stock did. Not only did I double it, not only did I triple it, but I quadrupled it, then I sold it. <laughs> All at a profit. Right. Let me tell you something. My burning question to you right now, and I'm a travel nurse. I save lives coast to coast, but you're saving my financial right. life, i got to tell right. you. Which made me a millionaire at the age of 55. Oh, I'm not my. Kidding you. On a nurse's salary, I must tell you. Okay. Forgetting about all that, is Aflac again a buy? No, I don't want you to go back to it. Uh, we had a real good run. I think it's okay. I really prefer the managed care stocks, the traditional ones, something like United Healthcare, which is much cheaper than AFL. I am so grateful for your comments. So grateful. I mean, look, I had to go through this long period where people said I was a clown. You know, like 30 years. Hey, uh, 30 years worth of being. I was at my 45th reunion. People were saying, hey, look at him. He was a clown then. But you make me feel like a happy clown, if that's the way you want to call it. Or maybe just someone who did a good job and I really appreciate it. Okay, the managed care stocks have been in the doghouse. Until yesterday, they've been sprung. When it comes to UNH, the risk, I think it's baked in. It's a buy. Stay with me. Is this market ready to fall in love with the financial technology stocks all over again? I mean, for most of the year, the fintech cohort roared higher. These companies had nice, consistent growth, and their stocks gave portfolio managers exposure to the financial sector without the risk you'd normally get from actual financials. But in the last few months, fintech has lost some of its luster. And by the way, the banks have really gained it. If the Fed's going to juice the economy by cutting interest rates, that makes the banks more attractive, uh, and that's kryptonite to the fintech stocks. Which brings me to WEX, W-E-X. It's the corporate payments company that handles fuel cards, travel cards, and even healthcare and employee benefits. Earlier this year, the stock was red hot. Then WEX reported a strong quarter with weaker guidance. we got to go into that at the beginning of August. And then the stock got clobbered. It, it fell from 218 to 188 in a matter of days. Since then, it's been able to rebound to 208, but it's still well off its highs. So can WEX get its stock route back? Let's check in with Melissa Smith. She's the chair and CEO of WEX, who's in New York with her healthcare team this week to promote a new initiative. I think it's very exciting. It's aimed at teaching people how to use health savings accounts. Ms. Smith, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. Good Thank to you see you. Me. Now, I know that uh, you had a presentation and you're doing some unbelievable work with HSAs. And a lot of people say HSA. What the heck is that? Reminds me of when they said that about IRA. What the heck is that? Meanwhile, since then, people have saved a million bucks. <laughs> Tell us about HSA. Yeah, we think that it's really important for people to understand what they're about because it allows you to defer taxes around healthcare payments. So if you have a high deductible plan, your employer probably has an HSA account that they will offer to you. We want to make sure that people are utilizing that because often the employers will put money into them. So think of that as as one way of saving. And then on top of that, you defer taxes if you use them for appropriate 
reasons. Okay, so why have most Americans uh, been, and you've got some great stuff, they, why have people uh, don't feel like they are at the center of the healthcare ecosystem and employers don't feel like they have friends and benefits given that you have an HSA? I think it's lack of information. And I think yeah. people are intimidated around the concept of an HSA and FSA. There's all these, these terms, and it's part of what we're trying to do with our event is to make sure people are educated. So if you're interested, hsaday.com, we've got information okay. out there on that. Well, is it something that your HR person at your company has to know about? Or can an individual who has got his own or her own business mm-hmm. get an HSA? They can. They can. You can actually get it through your employer. You actually can get it through, if you look at our partners, our partners include Bank of America, it includes HSA banks, or there's a number of other uh, providers that you can go to outside of your health insurance provider. Okay, Melissa, how much does it matter? I mean, for instance, health and employee benefits was $83 million recently, um, unbelievable growth in second quarter 2019. Can you get that to be one of the largest pieces of your company? It's about 20% of the overall profile and growing faster. So we do think that it will continue to, if you look at the mix of the business, it's going to skew towards the things that are outside of fleet over time. Okay, the reason I mention that is that the, the analysts tended to think, I saw this in a couple of notes, that your travel and corporate solutions business had gotten just a tad slower with a high multiple stock. That obviously uh, was a ding. Is it any way to be able, I know you're inquired about the the quarter, but can that pick up, or was that just the analysts being too nitpicky? The twenty-one percent growth we had in the quarter, we know we felt pretty good about that. I think if you look at the kind of the trends around, mm-hmm. a lot of what we're seeing in business volume, the the volume is off just a little bit. I'd say kind of across all of our different industries right, compared right. to what we've seen historically, and that's a bit that's you know part of what we're experiencing is you know, a little bit of softness just in terms of same-store sales and what you're seeing in growth. They're still growing. Right. 21% is still a, growth, a right. good growth number, but it's a little bit softer than what we've seen. How about the uh, Chevron and Shell deals? What do they mean for you? Yeah, so Chevron and Shell, um, they're huge. You know, they are about 7% of our overall fleet volume just in those two contracts. And so we implemented uh, Shell Q1, Chevron Q2, and seeing the benefit of that now. Just in case there are people who don't know exactly what I mean when I say the Shell and the Chevron, can you walk people through? Because it's incredibly important and how much it saves companies. But uh, it could be a great opportunity to buy the stock of WEX. It would help people to understand that. Sure, sure. So um, what the oil companies have done is outsource their commercial card portfolio. So if you're a business and you want to have a product to use to pay for your fuel associated mm-hmm. with the brand, then um, we are often the backbone associated with that. And both Shell and Chevron decided to outsource uh, everything from sales marketing all the way through credit collections, I think of that as kind of the whole scheme, right. including the technology to us. Well, that's terrific. I know you've done you've grown this company tremendously. One last thing, HSA, I want people to understand this. So they want to go to the PC and yes. do what? HSAday.com. HSAday.com. HSAday.com, yes. And it's got the Gene Chatsky, my old friend, and yes. you moderating it's fantastic. Them. All yes. right, great. Thank you yes. so much. Thank you so much, Jim. Okay, that's uh, Melissa Smith, chair and CEO of WEX, W-E-X. You don't see them. Uh, they're behind the scenes, but they make a lot of money. They have money's back here. Right. It is time! It's everything And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy! It's time for the lightning round because over Gino in California. Gene. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I have a few questions about cannabis growth. 
Recently, they purchased BioSteel, which is an established and reputable company and has contracts with several professional sports franchises right. and 10,000 stores. In addition to the partnership with Constellation's worldwide distribution right. network, put them in a powerful position for their CBD yeah, but beverages. We, we need a CEO. I mean, if we get a packaged good CEO, the stock will go up. If we get someone who's just kind of humdrum, then forget about it. Uh, Constellation needs to buy more stock, or the company should do a buyback. Something has to happen that's good. Something. Let's go to Phil, New Jersey, please. Phil. Booyah, you, Dr. Kramer. Booyah. I have a question for you. Sure. So I was looking at Thermo Fisher last year, and I know the stock has doubled. It's at like 282 right now. Is right. this a good buy to hold for long term to start a position? Yes, or wait? yes. I think Mark Casper's doing a great job. It's one of the best areas. By the way, on JJ's call yesterday, they're talking about this being the best area. I like the stock. Phil in Florida, Phil. Booyah. Booyah. Hi, Mr. Kramer. I'm calling in reference to the purchase of Elder Biopharmaceuticals by Lumbach. I'd like to know your thoughts on three options available. Well, I, you know, I think that, you know, ka-ching, ka-ching. I mean, you got a really big game. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Ian in Pennsylvania. Ian. Hey, Kramer. How's it going? All right. This is our second Ian in the same time. I'm from Pennsylvania. Pretty amazing. What's up? Uh, I want to know what you think of At Home Group. I'm a huge fan. I don't all have a lot of feel for it because, you know what, if it's not Watch, if it's not Walmart and Amazon, Target, Costco, and Home Depot, it's been a loser, including At Home Group. Let's go to Justine in Florida. Justine. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Well, the last few days or weeks, I've been dumpster diving for Procter & Gamble. What's that? Can you that's not really dumpster diving. It's pretty good stock. Actually, I like it at this level. It's got a great quarter. David Taylor's doing a good job. I mean, it's been just down for a couple of days, but you know what? That's all those stocks are down. Let's go to Joan in Maryland. Joan. I want to tell you how grateful I am to you. I've really done extremely well with oh, you. And I really, you. really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I bought Shop. Unfortunately, I put it at its highest point, and That's it has right. dropped down. Should I hang on to it? I want you to hang on. I report next week. Uh, reports in uh, uh, the 29th. I talked about it at my ActionLordsPlus.com club goal. We actually like the stock very much. Interested in buying it back after the stock comes down, but I don't want you to sell the stock on anything. I'll be a buyer. And that, ladies and gentlemen, lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Whatever happened to dividend protection? How can something like the stock of Macy's give you a 9.6% outside yield, even though the company's profitable and its balance sheet's improving? How can BP offer a 6.6% yield, even though they've got enough, more than enough cash to keep increasing the payout while also paying down debt? Hey, why don't we just throw in Schlumberger, formerly the pride of the oil patch? What the heck is that stock doing with a 6.3% yield? Oh, and how about an ActionAlertsPlus.com name? How about Coles? Coles has been a total millstone around my, around my charitable trust's neck. Makes me angry. Yet even down here with a 5.3% yield, Stocks can't seem to get any real lift. Last week, I pointed out that dividends only protect the stocks of safe, consistent companies in this environment. Think utilities, non-retail real estate investment trusts. But for everything else, they're not putting up much of defense, are they? 
the problem. Macy's, BP, Slumberjay, Kohl's, they're all perceived as being growth challenged. In fact, Slumberjay is expected to miss the numbers and Kohl's can do the same. So their stocks are seen as falling knives and nobody wants to catch a falling knife, even if it has a notoriously B.I.G. dividend. Same goes for those pipeline mesh limited partnerships, some of which have stratospheric yields. But no growth, and therefore no buyers. Utilities, on the other hand, they're doing great. A company like American Electric Power, Con Ed, they might not have a ton of growth, but their earnings are consistent, not episodic. Dominion might have a much lower yield than Slumberjay, just 4.5%, but it's the kind of stock that lets you sleep at night, especially now if they've closed on the Scana deal. Nothing like a merger among utilities to give you a multi-year growth. That stock's a buy. So where can you find this powerful combination of consistent growth with high yield? Right now, my favorite is Avdi. The drug company that's merging with Allergan to form a diversified pharmaceutical colossus that's much less hostage to Umira. That's their lead drug that's already started losing exclusivity in Europe. Again, though, because Umira only has a few more years of patent protection left, investors assume AbbVie's going to run out of growth. The stock plunged to the low 60s not, not that long ago, where it supported a 6.8% yield. Then AbbVie decided to take control of its destiny and buy Allergan for $63 billion in cash and stock. As the deal draws closer, Wall Street's starting to realize that the combined company will have some growth thanks to Botox, Allergan's eye care franchise, and maybe most important, their new pill for acute migraines. As the spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation, I'm confident this pill will be a blockbuster. If you've ever had a terrible migraine, and millions have, you know there's nothing you can just pop into your mouth to quell the pain. I expect to get a vicious migraine tomorrow if it rains as much as the weatherman says. Weather person, I guess I should say. I'm sorry. This pill is on the verge of being approved, and I bet it will boost next year's earnings. Note to the FDA, I could use it now, please, along with millions of other people. Listen, in a market where money's rotating out of the fast growers and into stocks with decent dividends, although, of course, the Netflix may change that along the IBM, but let's just deal with today. I think that AbbVie is the way to go. And by the way, I think that it's got a lot more room to run. Stick with Kramer. People expected Netflix to miss the earnings number, but they blew it away, so the stock rallies. People expected IBM to make the earnings number. They did, but their revenues were disappointed, so that stock is getting slugged. I know it's hard to figure this stuff out, but IBM was a disappointment, and Netflix, a positive surprise. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.